Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. So let me welcome psychologist Dr. Nicole Washington. Welcome. Thank you. Psychiatrist. Psycho- oh, let me, I apologize. She, 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 You know, psychiatrist, that means she went to medical school for all of them years, and her specialty was your mind. She has a medical degree. Uh, yes. yes, Dr. Nicole Washington, psychiatrist, which is completely different. Not so, but completely different than a psychologist. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we were talking R. Kelly um, yesterday, and today, you know, I opened the phones to people sh- sharing their stories, particularly men, because, you know, I think for black men in particular, it's so hard to admit that you've been sexually abused. It, it you know, culturally, you know how we do. And so I wanted from your perspective, your your um, professional perspective to kind of help walk us through it, because I, I don't want to cause any harm or damage anybody with my advice. I don't ever. Yeah, yeah. Trauma is tricky. Trauma is uh, it's tricky. It um, is one of those things that almost it is almost like it lives in your DNA. It's how it feels to people like it's muscle memory. They can go for years without even thinking about something and then will be triggered by the smallest thing, a smell, a sound, a scent in this case, a news story, right? Like everybody's talking about this. We've been talking about it for months now. And every time you hear other people's stories, it's hard for you not to go back to your own stuff. And when that happens, you know, your body takes you back there. Some people have flashbacks. I mean, it's, it's vivid. They can, they can hear, smell, taste. They can feel like they're there. They can feel like whatever age they were when they experienced that trauma. It, I mean, it's amazing how your body will go back and your brain will go back to that place. Um, But it's a dangerous space to be in. So, you know, I'm always telling you need to find somebody. We got to find somebody to be able to help you process through this stuff. Um, Because a lot of times our brain alone with us is just not a good space to be in to try to process it. And have a family members. Tanya Pinkins is here. I want to introduce you to her as well. And, you know, she said even finding, Tanya said, you know, we have to be careful finding a good therapist because predators go into situations where they are trusted. You know, we're going to find predators, priests and pastors and boy scout leaders and, uh, in the healthcare field where they have access and opportunity to be predators. So how do we find, I know you're amazing, uh, Dr. Nicole Washington, but you're, you know, you're not in every state in the union. Not, not in every state in the union. Um, I always tell people to start looking if you're, um, really, I tell Black people in general, go to Therapy for Black Girls. That's a fantastic resource. Therapy for Black Girls is a uh, is a place where a lot of Black female therapists um, advertise their practices. There is also Therapy for Black Men, I think it is the website, where there are Black male therapists. I also encourage people to go to the website um, Psychology Today. Um, and that is where a ton of mental health people advertise their mental health practices. So you can go there, you can filter for all the things you want to filter for, and you can see their pictures. So you get to see bios, you get to see what folks look like, you get to like put a name to a face. Um, and from there, you can start, you know, making some calls and, and asking some questions. The one thing I always, um, people get nervous about, like, you find a therapist and they're like, well, I didn't like them. We didn't connect. We didn't jail. I didn't feel like it was a safe place. We'll find a new one. It's a service. You are paying for a service and 
if the person is just not for you, they're just not for you. I mean, finding a new therapist is like trying to find a church or a hairdresser when you move to a new town. It's not easy. You might have to go a couple times. You might have to, you might know the first time. This ain't it. You might have to, you know, ask around to people who you trust, who you know are using that service. Um, but it's not easy. And if you don't jail with that person, go find somebody else. Yeah, I mean, it's someone you may be more intimate with than you are with your most intimate family members. So the kind of uh, time you put into bringing the intimate into your life, you should put into your therapist. Yes, absolutely. It shouldn't just be like, I just randomly picked somebody in the yellow pages and then said, okay, I'm gonna go with them. And because we feel guilty about, you know, saying, I don't want this person anymore. But you're absolutely right. People tell me things, they tell their mental health people things that nobody in their world has ever heard before. Um, and that um, to me isn't as a huge responsibility. And, and so, so then if, if that person doesn't seem like a space where you can do that, why waste your time? Your time is precious. Why waste your money? Why waste all the emotional effort it takes for you to get that stuff out if you don't really feel like it's gonna be helpful? Mm. Now, just as I asked you that, I thought, do you think sometimes people pick therapists because they want to pick somebody that's going to feel like, I don't want to really like you because then I can just dump stuff with you because you and I, you know, is that maybe a part that might go into picking a therapist? I don't, I, I think people stay with therapists they don't like because they feel guilty. I don't see people, I think most people really want to like their therapist. I think most people genuinely do. Um, I just think they need to realize like your therapist is not your friend. Um, and that's a hard thing for people to kind of wrap their hands around because they tell them stuff. Again, they don't tell anybody else. Their best friends, their mom, their spouse, nobody knows these things about them. Um, so when it comes to sharing, you know, they want to see them as a friend, but really they're not your friend. And if you have a therapist who you know more about them personally, than you spend in session working on your stuff, you need a new therapist. And okay. are there any things that you would say that are other signs really quickly where you go, this person just ain't doing the job right? <laughs> I think if you're not growing, I mean, sometimes it really is a matter of fit. Therapists are different. They're trained in different types of therapy. They have a different demeanor. Um, so some you might see one therapist who just isn't a great fit for you, but three of your friends might be seeing them and they think, oh, that person's fantastic. Like sometimes it's just not going to be a good fit. And, and so I think if you feel like you're not growing, you should go into therapy knowing where it is you're trying to get to. What is the goal? So if you have a therapist where you all are not setting goals on what to look for or what we hope to accomplish, that may be a sign that you may never get out of it what you want because you don't know where you're going. You get in the car, you start driving, you need to know where you're trying to get to. Facts. You Otherwise, you are just aimlessly driving. Do you think, when do you think a therapist should, if ever, tell you what to do? Uh, it's going to depend on what type of therapy you're in. It's going to depend on that person's comfort level. Lots of therapists are really into, you know, I want you to be the one to decide, right? I want you to figure this out on your own and come to this place on your own. Some are better than others at helping you get there. Um, there are times when a therapist will say, how about we try this and give you direct recommendations but you also have to be willing to take those recommendations and put them into action okay um thank you for coming in last minute short notice uh we got callers i want to get to uh and so we're going to do that because i want to have a professional here 
that has got everything. Okay, so let's go to Ann in Queens. Uh, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Queens, New York, that is. Yes. Hi. Uh, hi, Karen, and hi to everyone that's there. Um, this is so crazy because it started out one way that I wanted to speak about, and then the other young lady came and talked about relationships and stuff, and I needed something about that, too. So it's just, um, let me just say that I was, um, I was molested by my father. Um, I'm the baby girl of seven of us in the family. There's two boys, five girls, and I'm the baby girl. And I was upset with my oldest sister because she was molested and, and my other sisters were molested, but my sister, my oldest sister moved out. And not until I was older, older, I didn't know why she moved out. And I had a conversation with her and I said, why didn't you say something? I mean, you could have kind of like saved me from, you know, this happening to me. And um, she got very angry with me and she said, listen, it happened. It's over. Like, move on, you know. And, you know, I try to respect her because I was taught to respect my older, my older sisters and, and my brother. But I was just upset about that. But what I did, I, I never went to a therapist until this day. I'm 65 years old. And I have a, a girlfriend. I have a couple of girlfriends, but one in particular, we helped each other. And I told her my business and we, she's always been there for me. And I think like, you know, she was just a person that I can confide in and, and she helped me, you know, not even knowing she helped me. She just was real with me. And I just always thought like a therapist, I know that they, you know, they went to school and they, and they have the expertise to help people. But I just think that therapist is going to help me. They don't, they don't really know about me. And it's just like a lot that I would have to impact in order for them to really get it about me, you know? Well, and I think a friend or family member or. Doc, Dr. Nicole, just, let, her, I, let her know why. why yeah. I, I can see how a person might feel that way. And for some people, just having a loved one to talk to is enough for them. Um, the benefits of it not being a loved one is, one, your loved ones can't be unbiased towards you because they love you. They care about you. They don't have the ability to be objective when it comes to you. So, you know, their advice, their um, their advice, you know, what whatever it is, it's not going to be objective. So from a loved one. So that's one thing. The second thing is I, I like the idea of people, especially when they have a lot of things to deal with, to talk to a therapist for is because you can say whatever you want to. You can say, I am mad at whoever. You can say, I hate whoever. You can say, sometimes I think about hurting whoever. You can say whatever those thoughts you have that you really with loved ones sometimes have to like really kind of edit them a little bit because you don't want the loved one giving you side eye when they see you always worried about you like are you okay what's going on um you don't want you know you, you just don't you just, they're worried about you all the time it interferes with your relationship with them because now instead of you being able to hang out with them and just have a good time they're you know you all right you okay you sure you all right and you don't want to deal with all that so the therapist is the safe space you can say anything you can just say anything and the chances of you rattling that therapist if they know what they're doing and if they really have dealt with trauma is very slim. I think those are two really good reasons to consider therapy um, when you have a lot of stuff to unpack. 
Great advice. Uh, let's head over to Brandon in Austin, Texas. Welcome. Brandon. Hey, Karen. Um, Dr. Nicole Washington. Um, I'm sorry, I'm driving, so I know how you are about phones not sounding right. No, I, it I was, sounds good. It sounds. You sound anyway, great. I, okay, I, I appreciate this uh, this opportunity. Honestly, I've been dealing with something. Actually, I didn't even know that I was uh, dealing with something until all this R. Kelly stuff kind of started um, recently. And so when I was eight, nine years old, um, there was a family friend, um, female, who was, I believe at the time, maybe 16, 17 years old, fully developed, who had um, molested me. I, at that time, I didn't view that as molestation. I thought as a little kid that this was cool and so i never really i looked at it as something sneaky that i was able to uh to do but what ended up happening was the sensation i enjoyed it so much and i'm eight nine years old that i've never told anyone this in, in my life no one but the sensation i like so much i as a teenager abused two other people as well as sexually. I'm completely 100% ashamed of it, and I, I wish that I had contact to uh, to these young ladies to apologize even for my own behavior. I was so, I, you know, I, I can't even excuse any of it at all. And I'm not sure exactly what allowed me to not participate in that sort of behavior anymore because I remember being 17 years old and being at a, uh, at a party, and there was a young lady there who I found attractive. She liked me. She got drunk and um, asked me to participate in something with her sexually, and I did not. Um, I respected her that much, and, I, and, and it was in that moment where I, I realized maybe I, maybe I'm kind of over this, and I don't I don't have this issue. But I'm I'm grown now. I've got daughters of my own, and I'm hyper. I've always wondered why I was so hyper vigilant about who they were around, family wise, and what was going on. Always talking to them, making sure that no one was touching or bothering bothering them at all and I just recently earlier this year I'm in my 50s now I just earlier this year told my mom for the first time um what happened with this family friend and she you know and she was disappointed because my mother's always been a great mom and never ne didn't know anything had no hint no clue no sign of anything at all and when I talked to my boys about it they looked at it like oh well you know you finally got you some so I don't know it's just um Everything she's saying, you know, that I'm hearing, um, you know, is really resonating with me. But uh, there's a level of guilt now that I feel because I know that there's trauma that I have inflicted on other people as well. And I know you've, I've heard you say many times hurt people hurt other people. Um, but I, that's about all that I have to say. Well, first off, yeah. God bless yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Brandon. Yeah, I was going to say, like, just the fact that you are at a point in your life where you can say, like, these are the things I did and I own what I did. And there are people who never get there. So that is amazing that you even got there. And I think if there's anybody listening who finds that they were in a similar situation where they were abused as a kid and then, you know, turn that on to other people, I think, you know, that my gosh, I mean, that was very powerful. But you're absolutely right. I can't tell you how many times I see people who didn't even think their previous trauma stuff was a big deal to them anymore until they have children who happen to be around the age they were when they were abused. And all of a sudden it all comes flying back and they are uber aggressive, protective, 
parents and it can really interfere with parenting. And if you're not careful, it can interfere with your relationship with your children um, because you are so protective. And so, you know, sometimes those people end up having to see somebody just to help them work through, like, how do I parent cautiously, but without letting my trauma stuff get in the way of my children's growth. Dr. Nicole, um, what Brandon did, I think was incredibly brave to admit that he uh, himself was an abuser. Uh, we were talking with Dream Hampton yesterday, who was the producer of Surviving R. Kelly, and she was saying, you know, 81% of women uh, have had a sexual encounter, negative sexual encounter. Um, one in five have had uh, forced sex. Um, and But 0% of men admit to even knowing anyone who's done it. She said something's wrong with that math. And for Brandon to, first of all, have the courage to, to call up and to admit that, I think is incredibly brave. What do you do? He said he wishes he could reach out. Should somebody, if you've been an abuser, should you reach out to your victims? Um, Ayanda yesterday was like, mm, yeah, that, you know, you don't need their validation. You don't need your abusers. You don't need to confront them to heal. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, you don't have to. Um, but for some people, that is part of their therapy process. I mean, there are some therapists who will have you write letters. Sometimes just the act of writing the letter can be therapeutic, right? You can write them and set them on fire. Sometimes admitting it out loud to people you love and care about may be enough. Um, there are times when it may be appropriate for you, but I think that's something that, you know, you got to work with somebody to do that. I wouldn't just start writing letters and mailing them out to people. Um, but I, you know, I think it's just, everybody's case is different. There are some people I would say, absolutely not. You probably should not do that. And then there are times when it is very appropriate. You know, we're all, we're all kind of different when it comes to that, but um, yeah, you're right. We don't, you don't ever hear men say, yeah, I know a guy who did blah, blah, blah. Um, I think, you know, for me, the mother of a young male, you know, raising a son, I have always, always, always put that into him. And I think if anybody's listening, raising sons, I think we need to put those things into them as early as possible. Dr. Nicole, um, let me take a couple more calls. Listen, I know you in the middle of work. She's working, y'all. I just like, I'm like, please, please, can you come in? She was like, okay. She's like, here's the link. Let's go. Um, I know you got to get back. David in Virginia, uh, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hey, Karen. Hey. Um, and to your guest, <clears throat> and I'm a man well over 60, and my abuse was by a older family friend. She wasn't that much older. I was around seven. She was maybe 13. And one of the things that I see in our society, and we haven't done well with talking about our sexuality in a healthy way, and that's one of the reasons why porn is a billion-dollar business. And I know for me what it caused me to be extra careful in my life, uh, married, two children, uh, four grandchildren, and the thing that I'm more protective, as the gentleman talked about before, was even with my children as well as my grandchildren, other children because of what happened to me. I'm trying to be protective in that space. And then one of the things that going forward as we deal with our own traumas, I've always tried to be in a space that allowed me to be honest with my own feelings and what I've gone through. 
I appreciate what you all have done and open up this dialogue, but I, I w- I'm hoping that we can get to a place to where we haven't made us being sexual being so ugly, and that's just a part of who we are now, and that's a hard job to do because we've got so many different variations as it's going going out. I appreciate all you do as well as Urban View. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, David. Appreciate you sharing. He said something that I thought was really powerful. Sex is beautiful when there there's there's no drama and trauma in the midst of it. And, you know, the ugliness that we've been talking about over I mean, that we don't talk enough about, actually. Uh, we don't talk enough about it has somehow sullied the the relationship, the connection that should be very beautiful and loving and all of that. How how do we navigate the and or separate? Is there is there some sort of cognitive dissonance we need to have, you know, those people who are carrying the trauma like Yeah, I think we have to talk about it from early. Like we have to age appropriately talk about it. We kind of don't talk about it. We, you know, when children, you know, even at young ages, you know, kids explore themselves and they touch themselves and and we freak out, right? We're like, don't do that. You know, we, we freak out about it. We, um, you know, we don't talk about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, when you're an adult, we're like, okay, well, go do it responsibly. Go, go, go get married. Go ahead and do it. Um, I think if we just talk about it, if we talk about it as just a, just the function that happens. Um, we talk about our parts and our bodies and the differences, and we just do that from early, early. Then it's not so taboo. Then it's not so it's not so ugly to talk about when something goes wrong with it. Like, hey, I had an experience and it didn't. I think this isn't right. You know, I think it. I think kids and teens and young adults and even old adults will feel more comfortable talking about it if it's something that we haven't just made this really taboo thing. Um, which we have, or made it real nasty, like the mm-hmm. porn stuff. Yeah. Like because I think like porn dirty. corrupts too, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Because if you if all you know about sex is porn, you are going to be so disappointed in your for real sex life. Um, you're going to be disappointed with your partner who you pledge yourself to forever. At some point, you are going like I mean, it's just going to disappoint you completely. Tanya, you're muted. You're muted. Tanya. Oh. Dr. Washington, we know that Karen could keep doing this for days and days and days. What would you offer to people who still need to talk today, aren't going to get to a therapist, um, for people who have stuff coming up, who have this this burden that they've been carrying is coming up, what would you uh, offer to them, you know, since Karen's going to be gone in a little bit? Yeah. I would say if you have someone, if you have a partner, I mean, there are people who are married to people who have no idea that they experience this kind of trauma um, that they have just kept to themselves. And so I would say if you have a person in your life that you think about it and you think, you know what, I think it's the time. Like, I think now is the time for me to let somebody know what I'm dealing with. And you don't have to give them details, but I think it is valuable for somebody who you love and who you know loves you back to know what's going on with you, right? And just tell them like, I'm committing to doing something about it, but can you just check in with me and just like in a week, check in with me, see how I'm feeling, see if I still feel like I need to go talk to somebody, not, you know, bugging, not, you know, bugging you to death and not, you know, getting all the details and just 
I need you to check in. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff is bringing it back up for me. Can you check in with me in a few days or a week or whatever your comfort level is? So I think that can be something that is powerful. Um, I do have some people who have just really had to uh, jump into some uh, journaling even about their feelings just to get it out, right? Like just, I'm feeling all this stuff and I have no outlet for it because that's a, a big deal. Like you, you feel like you can't get it out to anybody. So who do I get it out to? Paper, get it out, get it out, get it out, get it out. That can feel really great for a lot of people. Um, if you do think therapy is something you should do, I encourage you to jump on that today because it might take you a month or six weeks to get actually in somebody's office face to face with them because these waiting lists are ridiculous right now um, because everybody is hurting. Um, so, you know, do it today and then, you know, start the journaling process, kind of lean in on your support system um, and looking at things like meditation or just, you know, survivors meditations, you just Google, there's meditations for everything um, out there. Liberate is a, is a, uh, is an app that I use a ton because it has uh, meditations by, you know, and for people of color. Um, and so, I, you know, there are some, you know, for a lot of different things that you might be dealing with when you're not feeling good about yourself, when you're not, I think there's all kinds of things. And I think those can be very valuable too. I've tweeted out everything uh, at SXM Urban View, uh, all of the um, black men, black women, therapy, psychology today, all of it. We're going to tweet out Liberate as well. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for um, being available. Dr. Nicole Washington, we've tweeted out her information, uh, but I think she's booked up for the next uh, year, probably, (laughs) in the states that she's in, because she's that good. Dr. Nicole Washington. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.